Hello, it's Amelia here from Undercover Architect. Well, I'm back for episode two and we're keeping it raw, keeping it real, keeping it off the cuff. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about why renovating a building is almost like having children. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. So this episode and season is brought to you by me and Manage Your Build. Manage Your Build is my online course to really help you navigate the construction part of your renovation or building project confidently and with sanity. In it, I've teamed up with Dwayne Pierce of D Pierce Constructions. He is a residential builder. Together, we've got 45 plus years industry experience and we really uncover the step-by-step process of building and renovating in the construction phase. So many homeowners, they get to the point of signing contracts, they're not properly prepared, they don't, haven't protected their risk, they haven't really understood what they're signing up for. And then as the construction process rolls out, they become unstuck because they're not knowing what to expect to see on site or what they're necessarily paying for as each payment is being made. We've seen far too many homeowners get themselves into trouble this way and we wanna help you avoid that. So if you wanna get armed for the construction part of your project, have some tools, checklists, things like that so that you know what's happening each step of the way and how to check off that work is occurring correctly and that you're feeling in control of the process overall, can have really informed conversations with the people on your team, Manage Your Build is perfect. So manageyourbuild.com.au for more information. Okay, so today's episode is all about the emotional piece of building or renovating. I touched on this a bit in the introductory episode from the season, and I really wanna dive into this more because like I said, I see it happen time and time and time and time again, and yet it's not something that's really openly spoken about. There's a couple of really great free Facebook groups uh, that I'm a member of. Renovating Mums Sydney and Renovating Mums Brisbane has just started up. And Marissa does a great job of pulling together a community of renovating mums there who just basically talk about things that they're dealing with in their project and make recommendations and those types of things as they journey through it. And what I see there and what I also see inside the Undercover Architect community and the Facebook groups that I run is this conversation around the emotional piece. You know, members will say, oh, I don't, I don't mean to vent, but I just need to talk about this. And for me, this is all part and parcel of the renovation and building journey, but it's just not something, I don't know whether it's because it's a male dominated industry. And so it's not sort of a conversation that necessarily happens uh, amongst, you know, the male dominated sort of part, the tradespeople and the builders and those kinds of things, or whether it's, it's, just something that we just don't anticipate. But I saw this fantastic post in one of these groups and it's why I thought that this conversation was so important to have. And uh, one of the members, she wrote, today I realized how much doing a renovation is like having children. It takes way more time and commitment than you ever thought it would. You receive constant conflicting advice and everyone thinks they know best. You've woken in the night with the sudden thought that you've chosen completely the wrong tile and your bathroom will be a disaster. You leave for work with knots of anxiety, wondering if you've left your home in the care of the right builders. Now I realize why I'm feeling so stressed. 
and she nailed it. She nailed the description of the experience that I see so many homeowners have and yet be blindsided by. Uh, renovating a building is like having a baby or getting married. You will find there are, as she said, so many people providing so many conflicting points of advice. And the thing is, in the age that we live in, advice and information is so readily available for us and we can stay up till one o'clock in the morning finding it online and get completely lost down rabbit holes of what this advice is and how it should be applied to our projects and and tie ourselves up really trying to figure out what is going to be suitable for us and so for me I think if we can really talk about okay what is this emotional piece why does it really happen how can you best navigate it and how can you best prepare for your project and know that it's going to happen in a way that really uh, then empowers you to to own it and to move through your project more effectively I think that can only be a good thing now the thing is because I see so many women deal with this and feel like it's not a conversation that they can have necessarily have out loud um, then it can become really problematic I see women in particular this does happen for men as well but women in particular may you know they they will find that they're completely savvy and organized and feel really proficient in lots of areas of their life but when it comes to building and renovating they're so far out of their comfort zone that they just don't know how to be who they need to be in their project you know this is one of the big transformations that i see happen for members uh, inside undercover architects online courses and it's something that i see happen for people as they really step into the role that they need to play as they go about building or renovating their home now i spoke a little bit in last episode about about why this can be such an emotional journey for us because of what our family home means for us. And what the response that I actually gave this person in this group summarizes this. So I'll just, I'll just read that now. So I said, with over 20 years of doing this myself, I see homeowners deal with stress and the unknowns. And it's not only one of your biggest investments, but most underestimate the emotional piece, the attachment we have to home, the identity and status, future hopes and dreams for our life and our family, the sense of accomplishment and achievement that our homes represent. It's a huge amount of pressure to get it right with little or no prior experience and a huge leap of faith and loads of well-meaning but often totally off-base advice about what you must have or do to make your home and you complete. Take care of yourself and keep asking questions. I find when women ask lots of questions, they start to feel more informed and empowered as a result. And they let their team know they're invested and keen to be involved and they get a great result. Okay, so this is for me, that pretty much sums up what I'll now talk about in a little bit more detail. I really want you to be okay and give yourself permission for this to be a big deal. Okay, this this is a big deal. All right, you will have people telling you it's easy. It's uh, you know, I've never done this before, and I I'm, I've done this, and it's worked out for me, and so you can do it. Um, you'll have people telling you that you don't need any training. That uh, that um, yeah, that it's you know, that that not knowing what you're doing is okay. Um, and you know that I think that that I think that that messaging is out there so that uh, so that it reduces the amount of nerves and overwhelm you might have as you start on your project needless to say though when it's your family home 
it's generally the biggest asset that you own um, and what you spend on a building or renovation project what I see for most homeowners is generally the most amount of money they've spent on anything so that by just nature of what that is you know is means that it's going to be a big deal okay because it can have a long-term effect uh, whether you get it right or you get it wrong or somewhere in between it's going to have a long-term effect on not only your financial health and well-being your mental health and well-being emotional health and well-being and the health and well-being of your family and so of course like of course it's going to be meaningful for us and so I think it's I think we just need to give ourselves permission that it's okay for this to be a big deal and it's okay for it to not feel like it's something that we do every day for it to feel uncomfortable now there's lots of stuff around the fact that the greatest stuff happens outside of your comfort zone but that's notwithstanding you've got a life you'll have lots of demands on it you, you know chances are you're already already very busy and so to put this piece on top of all of that and you know for it to not be a full-time job for it to be something that you're trying to juggle amongst all of the other demands that you have on your time and your life and your attention then of course again that's going to add to the stress and the pressure and then of course as I said there's the emotional piece there's so there's the memories the status the identity another thing that I really see happen for homeowners is they don't want to look foolish they don't want to look like the one who got duped the one that made the silly decision that now has to live with the consequences I see homeowners who they will literally um, they, they'll have made a mistake in their home and it changes it changes the image that they have of their home every time they walk into it you know I I often coach uh, members of my courses if they're feel like they're being cornered into having to make a decision because a builder's putting pressure on them or an architect's putting pressure on them or something like that. And they, they're saying, I, you know, I'm worried that this is going to be have consequences that I'm not going to necessarily like, but I don't want to hold things up. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to be a, a difficult, you know, I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. And it's like, well, how's it going to make you feel about your home? Like, are you literally feel, are going to walk into the house every time and feel like you have to excuse that decision to any visitor that comes, or you're going to mentally be excusing yourself on that decision? Like if you're going to say, all right, I'll accept what I'm being pushed into. And that means that that's going to look like that, or that's going to function like that. And then every time you have a guest come over, you say, oh, this is what I really wanted, but you know, we didn't want to delay things or things didn't, you know, we didn't want to race, you know, we didn't want to, I suppose, wait for the thing that, that, or I didn't really want to push back or they were advising me that this was how it really needed to be. And I wasn't really sure. And I didn't really give myself the time to be sure. Then you can see what happens for yourself in terms, and this is your home. Like this is where you live every day. This is why I, I'm such a, so passionate about um, the, when I work with clients and, and homeowners, like, it's like, it's your home. Like if this is what you want, you know, I can, I can teach you and I can educate you about why something should work in terms of like a design decision or what your goals can be or perhaps what you should be doing orientation wise or choices that you can make about the planning and the arrangement of your design. But ultimately, it's your home and your decision. And so this is for me is the big thing is I see people put a lot of pressure on themselves about the fact that um, sometimes they uh, feel cornered by that well-meaning advice. Um, sometimes they get caught up in that, what I spoke speak about last time, about that comparison idea of like, well, this is what is on trend now. This is what it looks like to have a prestigious, luxurious home. This is what it looks like to have a glamorous living room. This is what it looks like to have a, a lovely, you know, 
family room. Um, they get caught up in that and they get caught up in the fear that if they make the wrong decision, they have to live with the consequences of that. And potentially that becomes part of their thinking, their conversations, their mindset about their house over the long term. And so you can become really unsure of the decisions and choices that you make. And so I, I always coach people to really start to think about, you know, we've spoken about this before. What are you actually seeking to achieve? What does this home mean to you? How do you want to feel? How do you want this home to function? How do you want to feel? So that you've got some foundation and platform to reference back against every time you feel you're getting a bit lost in the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds of your project. This idea of having this core foundation is designed to try and help you manage some of that discomfort. The next thing, of course, about being outside of your comfort zone, I see a lot of homeowners worry about, particularly women, is having the conversations when they don't understand the terminology. And, you know, I see a lot of, I see a lot of the renovating and building stuff online and on TV where this will be played up, you know, like people will be going, oh, I don't really know what I'm talking about. And, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, Sorry, I didn't mean to do that in a high-pitched voice, but it's what it sounds like to me. And I'm, I just, most of the, the people that I speak to, that's not the way that they want to be in their project when they don't understand something. They want to be able to honestly and transparently say, hey, I don't understand what you're talking about and I need you to explain this to me more clearly. But then they're also nervous about saying that and admitting that they potentially don't know what is happening. Now, I've always... I've found that the greatest uh, learnings and improvement and growth come for me when I do own what I don't know about. When I say to a builder or, you know, I remember early in my career learning a huge amount from builders that I was able to say to them, look, I don't really understand what that means. Can you please explain that to me in more detail? Or this is what I'd really like to achieve design wise, but I'm aware that that might not be the simplest way of doing it. Can you, can we please talk through what, how we could achieve the functionality and the look of this thing, but perhaps it'd be more buildable when that kind of collaborative, you know, process is happening. Now, for me, of course, this comes down to your team and who you're working with and finding the right people so that you can have these collaborative conversations where you're being met where your needs are at. But I know that when people start out on this journey and they start calling around the designer or the builder or those types of things, they can feel completely out of their depth. And, you know, I've spoken, I one beautiful member of my online program, Your Reno Roadmap, spoke to me about how she just always felt like she just did not know the terminology. So she didn't feel that she could have empowered conversations with these people. And and, you know, and so that changed who she was in that moment. You know, she'd be nervous, she'd be unsure, she'd not know how to have the voice that she needed for her project. And so, you know, I think that if you can accept and own that that's potentially how you're going to be when you embark on your project and you can start seeking advice and knowledge around what you need to know so that you can feel more encouraged, more empowered to say, hey, can you just stop for a minute? I don't understand what you're talking about. I need some more information. Can you please explain that in layman's terms to me? And feel okay about not knowing. I think for me, that's the big key. I see that that's much more effective in you claiming your in your equal place in the team that creates your home than the, I don't have a clue. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. For me, that approach is more problematic um, 
and I'm going to talk a bit more about industry experts versus industry professionals and the anyone can do this approach that I see sort of out there in the online space and the TV space um, because I think that can be potentially really damaging for how you approach your project. So, um, but that aside, okay, so let's, you know, in terms of being outside your comfort zone, if you just think, okay, I'm going to be outside of my comfort zone, what do I need to do to equip myself to be who I need to be so that I can be an equal and invested partner? And as I said previously, when I read out the quote from the Facebook group, if you can actually ask lots of questions, it shows that you're invested and interested, okay? And it will help you sift out the numpties who treat you in a patronizing way when you ask lots of questions. Immediate red flag, okay? So, and something you should pay attention to and then push them to the side and find somebody else, okay? Great builders, great architects, great designers, they love people who ask lots of questions because it shows that you are invested in getting a great result and being on board as that result is created, okay? So we've talked about how just financially what a big deal this is, that it's okay for this to be a big deal, giving yourself permission for it it to be a big deal, knowing that you're going to be outside of your comfort zone, great approaches when you are outside of your comfort zone, the emotional piece of building or renovating. I want to talk about now just how long this stuff takes okay and again this is the thing around watching this on tv watching it on youtube that kind of stuff you're often only seeing the construction part and you know building or renovating for most people sometimes can go for five years they'll have been thinking about it for a very long time before they actually say yep we're going to do it we're going to go and then they start pulling together their team speaking to council you know getting drawings done all that kind of stuff moving through to construction sometimes that yes let's go to finishing construction can be two to three years so that is a long time to sustain the passion and the the motivation and uh you know i i have people who've been in my community since day dot and still haven't started their project and they they don't plan to start their project for a little while longer and they've just been wanting to be really prepared. I find that women generally like to be really prepared for things. They like to be really well informed, really well researched in order to feel confident to tackle something. Notwithstanding though, that's a long time to be thinking about one thing and it's a long time to sustain the energy and the motivation to do it. And so one of the things that I really see become problematic for people is the resilience, the stamina. The thing is that it's one thing I say in my course is you need this stamina and resilience right to the very end because the end is actually where you normally need it the most. It's when you're making all those last minute um, decisions about things. You might be sort of saying, no, actually, I want the tiles that way, not that way. Um, you're saying, you know, uh, let's just get this bit right. You might be making some last minute decisions about stuff on site. And it's where all of the, like you get to the pointy end of it, where you start to see everything you've been dreaming about, you know, all of the finishes and the colors and the things that are actually going to be around you on a day-to-day basis being kind of coming to life. And I see so many people get to that point and just peter out. They just don't have the energy anymore. They don't have the stamina. They don't have the resilience and they make decisions just because it's the easy thing to do or somebody's talked them into something and it becomes this long-term regret for their home. And so I would really encourage you to just know, okay, 
this is a long-term game. This isn't a quick fix. It's not something that happens in a 24-hour or a week. It's not somebody's blowing a whistle at the end and saying tools down. This is going to take a long time, okay? Yes, you can shorten it. You can definitely shorten it. I've worked strategically with people to significantly shorten their renovation and building journeys by months, even years sometimes. Uh, but it's still, you know, like building a house takes between you know, sort of five and 12 months, depending on what you're building. Renovating is very similar. And then there's all the prep stuff. Sometimes councils take 12 months to approve projects, okay? Some architects take, it's 12 months in design. So, you know, some, some architects it's one or two months, some, some it's 12 months. So literally it's just about you understanding that this is potentially a long-term game and how will you support yourself to have the resilience and the stamina that you need right to the very end? Because that's part of that emotional piece. That's part of that weariness that happens and that wariness that happens when you get to the pointy end and you've got all these people like on the site of your future home, either in your renovation project or in your um, new build and they're in your hair, in your thoughts, in your dreams, yeah? <laughs> and and uh, and and it's the end of the piece and you really need to make sure you have resilience and stamina to make it through that. Now, there's a couple of more things I wanted to talk about. One is decision overwhelm. So this is something I see again happen for lots of people. It, it couples that piece of it being a long-term game. They say there's something like 15,000 decisions to make when you're building or renovating. I actually think there's probably more. It's, um, it depends on the level of involvement that you're having in your project and the people that you have on board to help you make those decisions. But needless to say, you will need to be making a lot of decisions. And so oftentimes what I see people do is they delay the decision making until the point of it having to be made, like it's now or never kind of thing. And that can build up a huge amount of stress, emotional pressure, uh, you know, just and just serious um serious decision making challenges when you feel like okay I've now got to make that decision and so you know I'm always teaching that the more you can bring forward that decision making the better placed you'll be in your project but time and time again I see people I don't know whether it's just having the reality of a of a of a site happening but I also see it happening on the reality TV programs and on the renovating online you know experts they're standing on site with a tile up against the wall and the tile are there and they're saying okay this is the tile we're going to choose and that's not in reality how it best happens. You know, if you want to have a simple, uh, you know, seamless, stress-free construction project, you've picked your tile before you've signed the contract because then you know that that tile cost is in your contract sum. You know that that tile laying cost is in your contract sum. You know that that tile will be ordered on time and be on site when it needs to be so it doesn't delay the tiler. And you'll know that the that the builder knows how that tile needs to work with everything else around it, including the tapware and the fittings and the fixtures and all those types of things. So you're not standing on site in a sheeted room going, yep, this is the tile that will have and we'll lay it this way and this way. Oh, no, I'm going to change my mind. I don't want the tile to go across the ceiling anymore. I just want it on that wall or I do want it to go across the ceiling. Oh, no, we need to get extra tiles because then you don't have the same batch of tiles that you ordered previously. Like there's so many things that happen in reality TV and on, you know, renovating online shows that are just so at odds with what represents good construction methodology and good project management, you know, methodology. And so I'd really encourage you to look at, you know, and equip yourself with the fact that uh, this decision overwhelm, 
you don't want to be standing on site making decisions because A, you may actually not get to make the decision at all. B, the decision may cost you significantly more than you planned. C, the decision may get whacked with a variation margin built into the contract because you didn't have the decision made up front. And uh, D, that you're making decisions under pressure and under, like under time pressure and under money pressure, which rarely brings out good decisions. So yeah, I really encourage you to, to think about the, way, the biggest way to reduce decision overwhelm is to bring the decision making forward so that you're making it in a calm and measured and considered way and you have it all in place before your contract is signed, okay? Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the difficulty that I see particularly women have around having uh, confrontational conversations with builders and with professionals that they have on their team. Again, I really encourage you to remember this is about you creating a you-worthy home. So I see homeowners being pushed by architects into making um, decisions about fixtures and finishes that they might buy. I had one homeowner tell me that their architect told them that they didn't want them to fit out I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something along the lines of, I'm building, you know, we're creating a BMW and I don't want you to fit it out like a Kia. Like it was something along those lines because she was, she couldn't see the point in spending, you know, the amount of money on tapware and those types of things this architect was suggesting. And, and she wanted to go with sort of more basic options. Um, there's, and so that requires a difficult conversation, a reminder about whose house it actually is. And, and that can be really problematic uh, I see for a lot of homeowners. Uh, same thing with working with a builder on site. When you're not happy about something or the way something is happening, perhaps you feel the builder hasn't been there frequently enough or you haven't seen enough activity and that conversation needs to happen and it can be very nerve wracking. And so this is the kind of stress that we bring to our projects. You know, I see a lot of homeowners, they will build in support mechanisms for themselves when they know that this is going to be a problem for them. I've had one uh, homeowner tell me the whole reason she hired a project manager was because she knew she would not be capable of having those kinds of conversations with the builder. In fact, she never wanted to have a conversation with the builder like that. So she literally would go to site, she'd wander around, she'd relay any concerns that she had to her project manager. The project manager would then liaise with the builder and then report back to her. And she said she only had two conversations with the builder in the entire build. It was at the very beginning and at the very end. So, you know, I, I see I see this real uh, difficulty that women particularly have, but I've seen, um, I've seen both genders have it in having those conversations. I also see it go the other way. I see people so concerned that they don't want the builder to feel like uh, that they can get away with anything or they need to keep the builder on their toes. And so they almost um, overdrive the builder. They almost bully the builder just to let the builder know that, you know, we know what's going on and we're, we're keeping an eye and tabs on things. And it just doesn't set up a very uh, stress-free environment for anybody involved. And it doesn't set up that really collaborative communication that really fosters a great construction project. So I'd really encourage you to think about this. You know, we don't see a lot of this stuff happening on site. You often see that, um, you know, in reality TV, the builder will come in like the supervisor on the block and will read the right act to the newbie renovators who really don't have much of an idea about what they've done wrong and uh, and then, you know, stop work and make it all, it all, it's all very dramatic. And that doesn't really happen in real life, as you can imagine. And then you can see where, 
renovating experts or building experts have actually built fantastic teams that are used to working with them in the way that they've worked so they can have great conversations on site and uh, they can get change made quickly and those kinds of things if this is the first time you've worked with a builder you're going to have to find a really good builder to create that relationship with and uh, and work in a way that is collaborative in that regard okay so we've spoken about a few things we've spoken about the emotional piece the decision overwhelm the uh, resilience and the long-term factor, the amount of money that gets spent. In terms of thinking about how our homes look and what they represent of us, you know, I think that our homes almost become an extension of us. They become a, a really built representation of what we consider valuable and important and what we surround ourselves with every day. Now, I want to share a funny story because I um, I think about this in lots of sort of aspects of our lives. I think about the choices that we make often reflect a lot of, you know, they, they usually reflect a lot of what we hold dear and what we think is important to us and how we want the world to see us. And, you know, I remember when I went, um, I went to Uganda with a not-for-profit at the end of 2013, which involved being in Uganda, but we were on the bus a lot because we were obviously traveling between villages and, you know, not so great roads and long bus trips. And one bus trip I was chatting to one of the, travelers I was with, a woman named Alpha, and she was talking to me about a type of personality profiling that's to do with colors. So you're either a blue or a red or a green. I can't remember the exact details, but I'm a bit of a junkie when it comes to profiling of strengths and personality types and those types of things. I always love to understand more about myself and about people around me in terms of what motivates them and how they might be characterized in terms of the choices that they make and what they do. And uh, I said to her, well, what do you think I am? And she said, well, it's clear that you're, I think she said a green. It's clear that you're a green. And I went, why is it clear that I'm a green? And she said, because you dress for comfort. And I laughed and I went, doesn't everybody? And she said, ah, no. (laughs) For me, it was hilarious because... I do like I've had the you know I've had corporate jobs where I had to be dressed up every day and uh, and I kind of enjoyed it at that time in my life I you know was didn't have kids and you know didn't I liked wearing a suit and getting all dressed up for work every day and it made me feel confident made me feel kind of older than my years made me feel more experienced to be dressed that way and that was kind of what helped me present myself in the environment I was in but of course as kids came along and you know that kind of stuff I was still in a corporate job working part-time and I just remember hilariously like I would have a couple of outfits that I would just be on rotation and I'd be getting my husband to do like a vomit baby food check before I walked out the door to make sure I hadn't missed something landing on me somewhere (laughs) before I went to work and uh, you know and then that's progressed obviously into having my own businesses so there's the architectural practice before undercover architect where you know we we had all stepped out of a corporate environment we were very deliberate about the fact that we needed to look professional because we had corporate clients but we also wanted to dress casually so you know that was sort of a smart casual environment jeans were okay and then now where I work mainly from home and oftentimes I'm pretty much in one step up from pajamas and I will be mildly nicely dressed and my kids will say, mom, why are you so dressed up? Where are you going? Which I think is hilarious. Now, I sometimes still get frocked up to go you know, out uh, for dinner or those types of things, but I know what I'm most comfortable in. And for me, that's been a really big sort of part of my learning and my growth and also how then that represents in my home. You know, I spoke in the last episode about how I love having a home that is comfortable, that isn't about getting up and straightening up cushioned sofas or being stressed about the white carpet and the white lounge. And, uh, you know, I know that there are people out there for whom that's a very different experience. They love their homes to feel like 
the frock that they put on every day. You know, they love their homes to feel like they're frocked up. They love their homes to feel glamorous. They love their homes to feel styled. And that's how they feel confident about themselves and about the way that they spend their time and their money and their choices. And so for me, that's, you know, it's, it's really... It's, but I know that if I created that for myself, it wouldn't feel real and authentic for me because what feels real and authentic for me is dressing comfortably and, uh, and being in a comfortable home. And so I'm, I'm sure that there'll be some people out there saying to me, well, a white sofa and white carpet can still be comfortable. Um, and you know, a very glamorous and pretty home can still be comfortable. And I don't dispute that. I just know for me, that's, it's not comfort for me because I'd be so stressed about it staying that way. Um, and that, yeah, that I just, it just wouldn't bring comfort to me. And so this emotional piece of building and renovating, it can be likened to having children, getting married. There's very much a feeling of, you know, that there's a specific way that it has to look. There's a specific way that it has to be done. There's a specific result that has to be achieved. And there's lots of well-meaning advice that will come at you um, and aspirational and inspirational images about what it should look like at the end of it all. And I think that when you can really own, okay, I have an emotional attachment to my house. I have an emotional attachment to the dreams that I want to create in my finished home. There's, you know, status and identity and memory and all of those things swept up in this. And everybody that I bring on, they I am trusting them. I'm literally handing them my dreams. I'm partnering with them to bring my dreams to reality. And I'm doing that knowing that I'm outside of my comfort zone. I don't have all of the knowledge that I need to be, you know, to be making that happen solely and wholly myself. And so I'm going to be out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be having to trust people with things that... I may or may not have all the answers to. And so it can feel very, very nerve wracking and it can feel very challenging. And I think that if you can own that, if you can know that, and then you can start pulling together the pieces of support and guidance that are going to be really meaningful for you, then that will set you up in the best possible way for your project. I also encourage you to trust your gut. I see so many homeowners be too nervous about calling it about saying that's not going to work that doesn't suit me that's not the right decision and stepping away and instead they stay wedded to the fact that they've already invested time and money and perhaps they'll look silly if they walk away now they'll have to justify why we didn't make you know why, why did we waste so much time with that person and not come to a result and instead I really encourage you to really trust the red flags really trust the signals that are coming from your gut are the people that you're working with really listening to you? Do they really understand what you want? Do they feel on board your dream? Are they advising you in an honest and transparent way when your dream and your budget don't necessarily match? Are they helping manage your expectations? Are they guiding you realistically through the project? And are they helping you stay on top of the decision making so that you feel like you're not forced into choices? You feel like you're really making decisions and selections in a really calm and uh, procedural way and that you're stepping step you know you're making those steps step by step to your finished home own the emotion okay it's actually the beautiful thing that ties you to how important this is and what I see happen for homeowners when they do own the emotion but they don't let it be this massive stress and pressure they instead you they use it to compel them 
to make this be important, to make this be significant, and then to surround themselves with the advice and the, the support and the network they, that they need to, to make something so important actually be meaningful. They go, okay, yep, this is real. This is where we've got, you know, we've got a good crack at this. Let's get this right. Let's give ourselves the support and the guidance that we need. And let's not pretend that anyone can just do this. Let's not pretend that this is just for everyone. Let's, let's actually own that this is a big deal. This is important. This is meaningful for us. And this is our chance to create a home that is worthy of us. And I would just love for you to be really like true to that. Okay, true to the significance and the just the incredible opportunity this is to create the perfect home for you. Okay, so before we go, I just want to give a shout out. I, you know, those who listen to the podcast, you know, and who've left a review, I am so grateful to you because the reviews are actually what iTunes measures. It's what tells iTunes to share this podcast with other people. And it's what really helps others work out if this podcast is going to be relevant to them. And there's some fantastic reviews that have been left on Undercover Architects Get It Right podcast. And the thing with the reviews is they're localized to the region that you listen in. So if you're an Australian uh, you'll only see the reviews for the Australian region. If you're American, you'll only see the reviews for the American region, vice versa, you know, Canada, UK, whatever. So I like, it's fantastic. I've got all these reviews like globally, but they all sort of operate in these siloed ways. So wherever you are, I'd love it if you could leave a review if you listen to the podcast and let people know how it's helped you. And I want to give a shout out to gmacca99. Don't you love iTunes usernames? A friend told me about this podcast when we decided we were going to build a house and I'm very thankful. Awesome podcast for anyone building or renovating has been so helpful as we've moved along from design to building phase. And uh, just want to say a huge thank you. And I hope that the construction of your future home is going brilliantly. As always, I can't thank you enough for joining me and for letting me be your secret ally. We've got lots more to keep diving into in keeping it real and keeping it raw and keeping it off the cuff. I do hope that you're enjoying the season so far. And until next time, bye. Bye.